In today's show, we're looking back at all of the action from Thursday in the NBA. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Seven games on Thursday. Still plenty for us to talk about. Let's do it right now. First game up, pretty big win for the Bulls over the Hornets, 120-99. to Nikola Vucevic. It's Vucevic. 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 He returned, absolutely dominated. Didn't take a single free throw, which is always troubling as a center, but 29-14 and 14 with five threes, two steals and a block on 50% shooting. And we also had Zach Levine back. Now, Levine returning from about three weeks out with COVID. Only played 27 minutes, 13 points. It was always going to be a slow return from Levine. They did start Kobe White next to him. White was all right, 14-4-6. So we just got to keep holding Kobe in this scenario. Didn't shoot particularly well, but that's just what he does anyway. While Vanilla Tice had 12-7 with two steals and two blocks in 26 minutes. That's a really good line. The two steals and two blocks obviously is not repeatable. I wouldn't say he's anything more than a streamer rather than a must-roster 12-team league guy. Thad Young only played 20 minutes, but of course he had 7, 6, and 8 with two steals and a block. And when his minutes go down, his production goes up somehow. I don't know how that keeps happening. I do not think that Young is guaranteed to be a must-roster 12-team league player. Larry Markinen sure isn't, even though he had 10 and 7 with two threes and two blocks. And Garrett Temple, just the 24 minutes with Levine back. But one of his better games, 12 points, two threes, and two steals there as well, obviously. He's not a 12-team league player. For the Hornets, they were without Bridges, Graham, Cody Martin. They did go with that lineup with Biombo at center, Washington at the four, and Jalen McDaniels at the three, pushing Caleb Martin to the bench. Martin played just 26 minutes, had seven points with two steals. He's more of a 14 to 16-team league guy now. Well, it was a little bit disappointing from Jalen McDaniels. Now, the minutes are fine. 32 minutes, that's great. Nine points on 40% is rough. One three, one steal, two blocks. The part of the reason why his line is so bad, though, he's missed both, or sorry, missed all three of his free throws. I would persist with him in 12-teamers. Malik Monk was dreadful last game, and then he dropped 20 points in 31 minutes with six threes and seven assists. The inconsistency is always going to be a pain for Monk, but there is value while Devontae Graham is out, especially for him to at least have some 12-team stream ability. Uh, Brady Wanamaker, another two steals for him, while Rogier had 12-8 and eight with three steals. Another horribly inefficient night, and he is back to being the guy he was last year, a very bad, uh, well, very poorly efficient shooter. I think he shot 42% from the field last year, despite being a good three-point guy. Lamelo Ball was all... If I'm going to talk about guys who were bad, Ball was terrible. Four points in 24 minutes on 10% shooting. He also had four fouls, which kept his minutes down. The nine assists are nice. This was a stinker. We're obviously still persisting with him. He'll be better. While Biombo started, played 18 minutes and had two points, and PJ Washington was great. 24 and six with six threes and two steals. He's just as likely to shoot 20% in the next game. But I don't think we need to do anything. Like We just have to ride the bumps. We make sure he's rostered. We ride the bumps. And then we just start understand that there's going to be some absolute turd burgers coming from him uh, in the future because that's just what he does. 
Let's go on to the next game now. We're looking at the Washington Wizards and the Toronto Raptors. Should we start with it? All right, let's start with it. Scott Brooks. They won the game. Congratulations to the Wizards. Scott, does Daniel Gafford's performance mean that he has earned more playing time? Yeah. Daniel Gafford. 15 minutes. That's it. 15 minutes. Now, to be fair to Brooks, I think Gafford played 14 minutes in the last game. But just stop lying, my guy. Like, just stop lying. Um, I talked about this the other day, saying we've got to have a heavy dose of skepticism about what happens with the minutes and whatever Brooks says is basically the opposite of what happens. And it's proved itself correct again. Now, Gafford was scoreless. And you look at that, and that's shithouse. He had three blocks in 15 minutes. Still pretty good. Again, to be fair, Robin Lopez was unstoppable. 24 points in 23 minutes with seven rebounds and three blocks, and somehow was 12 or 14 from the line. Now, sending Robin Lopez to the line 14 times is just an egregiously bad error from the Toronto team. But it happened, and Lopez played well. Obviously, we don't rely on that. But imagine getting beaten by Robin Lopez and Hull Neto. Neto scored 25 in 39 minutes with five threes and two steals. He's had some pretty significant 12-team runs. In fact, he's the 70th-ranked player over the last two weeks, and he has got this starting spot locked down. I wouldn't say that he's must-roster, but absolutely he has 12-team value. Bertans played 35 minutes despite uh, Aquaman Anthony Gill starting. The, the, again, the point of that, I have no idea. He played nine minutes. He was minus 20 and never saw the court again. Uh, Bertans had 14 in 35 minutes, while the Alex Len minutes continued to be there. 10 points in 14 minutes for Lenny with four rebounds. But the center position continues to be an absolute confusion. Brad Beal had 28 in 45 minutes, while Westbrook had a horribly, horribly low efficiency triple-double. 13 points on a true shooting of 31%. Look, they won, but far out, man. Just take just take fewer shots, my guy. 31%. Sorry, 31 true shooting. 26% from the field. 2 or 4 from the line. That is horrendous. Now, the 13, 17, and 17 is great as counting stats. Fantastic for fantasy points leagues where he had 55, but that efficiency, that is uh, that is matchup sinking stuff from Westbrook there. For the Raptors, Kyle Lowry was resting. OG Ananobi was resting. Chris Boucher is out with his knee. I don't think Boucher is coming back this year. And people are going to criticize the Raptors for Lowry resting. Again, this guy is banged up. He's always banged up at this point of the year. They don't care if they make the play in, to be honest. They, they've, they willingly gave that up a couple of weeks ago and made some curious decisions to play these guys in back-to-backs. But this is not like some egregious foul on the league or how disgusting the Raptors are. They're, they're a bunch of frauds. It's, it's just, mate, there's a week left in the season. This guy's 35 years of age. He's banged up. We're not making the playoffs anyway. Um, let's just see what everyone else can do. That's the thinking. Even if Lowry's out, Flynn at this point isn't an ad. Four points in 16 minutes for him. Brembury was solid. 10 points with two steals and two threes, but that's just deeper leagues. While Gaz Trent returned. He did his thing. He shot well. 25 points with five threes. He also failed to do any other thing, which is a standard from Gary Trent. Three assists, three rebounds. I wish it was three assists. Three rebounds, one assist. With Lowry out, we don't know how long for, but with Lowry out, Trent has the ability and the volume there, but he will disappoint. Now, Ken Birch was good. 17 and nine with four blocks and Siakam was excellent. 44, 11, and 7 on 61% shooting. Van Vliet, horrendous shooting, 28% from the field. At least he hit his free throws. But 22, 6, and 5 with two steals and four threes. He is the 23rd ranked player this season, Van Vliet, despite shooting under 40% from the field. And that just shows you know, how you're putting up some numbers in other areas. But that is some horrendous, horrendous shooting from Fred. I wonder, uh, Fred, I wonder how they go next year. Do they bring Gary Trent back? Is the Van Vliet Trent, is that the starting backcourt? It probably is for next season. Guys, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all of that action at bet online. 
Get all of the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and UFC action. Before that next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using the promo code LOCKEDON. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet Online are your online sportsbook experts. Okay, next game up on the slate. The Dallas Mavericks hosted the Brooklyn Nets. They beat them 109-113. For Brooklyn, they changed the starting lineup again. DeAndre Jordan was out of the rotation. Blake Griffin started at center. He had 10 and 10. And we saw the minutes from Nick Claxton bump up. 19 minutes for Claxton, 2 and 8. Now, this Claxton should be getting all of these minutes. We're well aware of that. But he is returning from COVID. Um, obviously, we're dropping DeAndre Jordan. And we're not adding Claxton, but he can be a streamer. Durant had 20 and 9, but he was off. Like, 33% shooting for him is terrible. While Irving was great. 45 and 5 with 7 threes, 4 steals, and 2 blocks. Kyrie Irving is now the 6th ranked player this year on a per-game basis. Um, that's ridiculously good. The Shark, Bruce Brown, had 10 and 6, while Landry Shamit started and was very Landry Shamit-ish. And then by that, I mean he had 0 points with 3 rebounds and 3 assists on 5 shot attempts. He is not, I repeat, not even remotely close to a 12-team or 14-team league guy. Not, not even close to sniffing its dick. That's how far away he is. Joe Harris had nine points with two threes. I, I do not believe that Joe Harris is must roster. I'll continue to say that. He can be a nice three-point streamer, but unless you need that, there's no value in him. For the Mavs, there was no Porzingis. There was no Kleber. JJ Redick was a DMPCD. Dwight Powell didn't start, but he gets the bulk of those minutes off the bench behind Cauley Stein. 12-10-5, a steal and a block. 100% from the field, 100% from the line. He's worth looking at for Friday. Timmy Hardaway, big volume without Porzingis as well, 23-6 with four threes, and Doncic had 24-10-8. Really good win for the Mavs here. Cooley Stein wasn't terrible. He blocked two shots. He had eight boards. It's more of a deeper league stream, while Finney Smith again was strong. 17-8-3, three threes. Dorian is pushing inside the top 120 for the season, and he's 64th over the last two weeks. Joshy Richardson had three steals. That's nice, but he's still not really a 12-team league guy at all. Just the 10 points in 29 minutes, and he's the 138th-ranked guy over the course of the season. The next game, the Indiana Pacers, despite all the turmoil, they'll get the victory over the Atlanta Hawks, 133-126. Trey Young had 30 with 10 assists. Good game from Young, while Bogdanovich had 28 points with six threes. And just a PSA, if your finals are on at the moment, the Hawks do not play the rest of this week. So if your matchup ends on Sunday, just drop them. Everyone's gone. That's it. Their, their week is done. Their fantasy season is done, unless you play next week. The Italian cock had a pretty strong game, Daniel Gallinari. Hands off my cock! 15 and 7 with three steals and a, and a three. Well, it was also a good game from John Collins. Now, just watch this though with Collins. He still only played 30 minutes despite having 25 and 7. There was some foul trouble there, but that continues to be a problem. While Tony Snell started, he missed shots. So Kevin Herter came off the bench, started the second half uh, over Snell and had eight points with six assists. And he also had a Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. Um, very hard to trust Herder, but if he goes back to starting and playing 30 minutes, then you want to add him. Capella with Collins back only 31 minutes, 10 and 9, while that big breakout from Anyeka Okongwu last game, it was never, it was no chance of it sticking, and he had uh, three points in seven minutes because Capella and Collins are going to get the bulk of those minutes. For the Pacers, O'Shea Brissett, 24 minutes. This is the new normal for him. He is a, what is he, Jack? Get 
Absolute flash in the pan, who played well and is not playing well anymore. Uh, 10 and 8 in 24 minutes. Dougie McDirt had 13 points. Cool. Well, Gogo Badadze did not get suspended despite that fight with the assistant coach. Big games from Karis Levert 31 and 12 for Levert with two threes, two steals, and three blocks. While Sabonis was amazing 86% from the field, 38 and 9 with three threes. So good games from Sabonis. Also a monster from Timothy John. Nine points from, 19 points from McConnell with five assists and four steals. This is why we've got to keep holding him. And why I also looked at Aaron Holiday as an interesting streamer. 15 points for Holiday in 31 minutes, five assists and two steals. As long as Brogdon is out, Holiday, at least for 14 team leagues, has a level of appeal. It's not great level of appeal, but there is a level of appeal there for him. Let's go on to the next game now. Man, Memphis, I, I, this has been a disconnect all season for me. I've been pretty critical of a lot of the things Taylor Jenkins has done all season, but a lot of media people have been praising him. Uh, look how well he's done with his team. Look where they're in the, in the standings. I've been very critical of a lot of the stuff he's done, and you know, this sort of loss is why I've been critical. The rotation decisions are asinine. Um, the team just is completely discombobulated. There is stuff I, I do not think he is anywhere near as impressive as other people uh, have thought he has been. This was a terrible loss. Now, Jaron Jackson returned. He was all right. 17 points in 25 minutes. The four steals are nice. The poor shooting is horrendous. Um, poor plus minus. Great from the line. No blocks. Low rebounds. I think if he's going to keep sitting back-to-backs, and they've got a couple more left, I don't think he can be rostered. John Morant was equally, like, fine. 20 points, five assists. The four threes are brilliant. No steals. Bad free throws. Subpar field goals. Continues to be, again, a fantasy disappointment, not even a top 100 player this year. With uh, the cashier Xavier Tillman out, Brandon Clark was in the rotation, 10 and 6 with two blocks, and that's fine. I just don't think he's going to necessarily play every game. Well, Desmond Bain started for Grayson Allen, had two points. De'Anthony Melton had two points in 14 minutes, and Dylan Brooks, shit, could there have been a worse game than this? Nine points on 16 shot attempts, 25% shooting. We know the problem with Dylan Brooks. He is not a must-roster player in the slightest. You can have him. Better value in points leagues, but this was a stinker. It was a stinker from Kyle Anderson too. I'd much rather have him over Brooks, but 7-2-5 and five was not a good game. And the trend of Anderson's numbers coming down when he plays in a game with Jaron Jackson continues, and, and that is something to monitor. Good win for the Pistons. No idea why, but they won. Corey Joseph was back, and his first game after that rest, man, he must be absolutely full of energy. I'm not... tired! 35 minutes, 18-4-11 with three steals and a block. Great. But if Killian Hayes plays, does Joseph even come back from this fake ankle injury? I, I don't know. I wouldn't be rushing to add Joseph, is, is what I'm trying to say. Elf Stewart. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs. 15 and 7 for Stewart with three blocks. Continues to be must roster. While the Duke Wayne Allington, we're playing him 25 minutes for some reason. 18 points. On, now, I know they were low on guards. I, I know that. But you can play Sabin and Lee, Lee more than 13. The Duke had 18 with six triples. I don't think he plays too many more games. Well, it was a pretty poor night from the depressed penis. Sadiq Bay had 13 points with three threes. I'm going to get into this argument with people all the time about this this rookie class and how yeah how good it is everyone's playing. Look, I think there's so many of these guys we are, and this is going to be very interesting in terms of dynasty league off seasons. Is people are significantly overvaluing the production that these rookies are producing. Sure, it's great to see a guy like Bay be a starter and a rotation piece and be solid. How much upside is there for him to get better? I'm not convinced it's there. And that goes with even like a guy like Isaiah Stewart. Like he's been playing really well, but can he actually become a very good center? I don't believe so. I'll have to re I'll assess all this stuff postseason. But this is what this draft was supposed to be. A ton of very good fourth or fifth starters, rotation role players, lots of them, 25 of them, 30 of them. I said that a million times. 
But just because they're starting and having a contribution in year one, which again was something that it, most smart draft people, not necessarily your bleacher reports or ESPNs who just throw out, you know, spout out in, insane um, inflammatory comments. The smart draft people, the people who were on my podcast, when we, not to toot my own horn, but you know, I'll try to get the guys on who knew what they were talking about with the draft. And they said this exact thing the whole way. Don't look for superstars, but a really a solid 30, 35 group of players who are rotation role players. And because those players have come in and they're in rotation role players and performing well in those roles, that I think some people might get carried away with that and go, oh, well, the next step is this. The next logical step is they become this unbelievable star. And I just don't think that's the case. I can easily be wrong on that. And I am very far from like 100% confident. I'm not even close, but that is the way that I lean. Sekou Dumbaya was all right, 14 and 6 for him. Um, probably not a bit too much talking about that, but I, th I think that's important to notice. People see it and go, well, look what they're doing in their first year. Imagine what happens in five years. And that might be true for a couple. There's always some weird players who jump out of nowhere and develop. But I, I say this a lot too. When, when what happens lines up with what you expected to happen, it's very hard to go, well, now things will be completely different in the future. Like, if you thought there'd be a lot of rotation and contributing role players in the draft, and there is a lot of contributing rotation and role players in the draft, it's hard for me to go, well, now these guys are all stars. Everyone's going to be a star. There's, you know, 20 all-stars in this group. Uh, that, I, I don't see it that way. Because again, my priors match up with my current analysis. And I go, well, this is how it looks. Now, you can very easily disagree with this. And if you do, like, hey, drop a comment down below. I am more than happy to hear differing opinions on this. Like, absolutely. It probably won't change my mind on it. And guys have been good. And there's guys that I, I have been much better than anticipated. Emmanuel Quickly is one of those. Isaiah Stewart has been much better than I anticipated. But it, it doesn't necessarily mean to me they're going to push to become stars in the future. They might. Absolutely, they might. But I wouldn't say that it is anywhere near a fait de compli. Guys, Bilt Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors. Do you know that? And they occasionally throw in these limited time flavors, which are always the ones you want to get. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, you're, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. Is it coconut? Is it cherry? Is it raspberry? Salted caramel? There's something for everyone. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. And most of these flavors, it's 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories with just four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. So order today and get whatever flavor it is that floats your boat at BuiltBar.com. So go there, BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, next game, blowout. The Warriors win at 118-97 over the Thunder. Ty Jerome was great. 23 points in 22 minutes, three threes. But literally, there's a, a chance he's not even in the rotation next game as they move things around. He's always going to be an option for streaming, but again, he just could sit games randomly. The Salt Flake, Theo Maladon, 15-4-8 with two steals. A really, really good game from Maladon. Again, um, probably need to be punting field goals to have him. I don't think he's losing a rotation spot or anything like that. But he is inconsistent. Well, Baisley did his thing with volume. 22 points is great. 37% shooting is horrendous. Minus 18 is bad. Uh, not much in terms of supporting stats. And despite this idea that he's been better, he hasn't. He's still the 232nd ranked player over the last two weeks. The C parter had eight boards with a block. 28 minutes for Moses Brown. Not much else there. He's really dropped off as well. And Tony Bradley, a nice field goal percentage streamer, but like uh, Maladon, so not like Maladon, like Jerome and like guys like Kendrick Williams, there's no guarantee he plays every night. Bradley had uh, four or four from the field for eight points. Isaiah Roby was pretty poor in a start. Well, uh, guys, Lou Dort. No, my son is also named Bort. He's not that good. He's very much in that 
Yeah, he had that little stretch, and people love him because of his defense, but they overrate the offensive part of his game massively, absolutely massively. Seven points on 23% shooting. He's not this bad, right? He's in a role where he he's ill-equipped to handle it. This high-usage number one option role, this is not him. He cannot do it. He is not a very good fantasy player. Again, for all of this, I mean, so much hype about this bloke. He's the 200, right, outside the top 210 for the year in 30 minutes a night. Now, there's been other players that are bad too. Obviously, Baisley's one of those. And Maladon's one of those. And they're playing starters minutes, but they're not that good. And uh, Dort is not a must-roster player. Seven points on 23% here in this one. Gabrielle Deck. I could barely recognize my own dick. Six points in 24 minutes for Deck with four assists and a steal. Shout out to ESPN for making him available. And then in the notification they put up saying, Gabrielle Deck's now available to be added in his four games so far. Here's the stats he's put up. You'd think if he'd played four games... You might want to have him available to pick up and then advertise the fact that he wasn't available to pick up after he'd already played four games. Fix your shit. On to the Warriors. Curry had 34, 4, and 7 with six triples. Huge. Number two ranked player this year. He's been amazing. A couple of bit of, uh, bit of news here. Kelly Oubre, looks like his regular season is done. Damian Lee, who got COVID despite having the vaccination. Uh, one of very few people who get that. He's out for the regular season, it looks like. So that helps the value of Mick Mulder. Fox had seven threes for 25 points. Now, in true Gary Trent style, he didn't do anything else. But if you are in a deeper league looking for threes, Mulder can help. And Ken Bazemore played only 30 minutes. But had 13 points, three threes, six rebounds, and an assist. So solid enough value. His minutes are going to be up the rest of the way. Wiggins had 18, 7, and 4, and Draymond 5, 9, and 9 in this game. Looney had his 10 boards. He's a, a rebound-type streamer. That's really it, because, again, we're not getting Wiseman back. We might get Pascal back soon, um, but we don't know exactly when he's going to be returning to action. All right, so let's go to the last game of the night. Another blowout. The Lakers go down to the Clippers, 118-94. The Clippers beat the Lakers all three times this year. No LeBron, no Dennis Schroeder, no Taylor Horton Tucker. And then after nine minutes, Anthony Davis sprained his ankle and was ruled out for the game with back spasms. I I don't know. Look, they were getting their ass kicked at that point anyway. Davis is still really struggling since returning from his injury. Um, he shot 22% in this game, but why after you go out with an ankle problem do you get ruled out with back spasms? I feel like that was just a... Just don't bother. Just don't bother coming back. Uh, sort of situation, the game's done. Lakers are in trouble. They have to play tomorrow against the Blazers. If they lose that, they'll be in the seventh seed, and it's going to make it hard for them to get out of the play-in tournament. LeBron, not back till next week. Uh, Schroeder, not back till next week. Horton Tucker missing Friday. I don't know, man. It's looking pretty rough for the Lakers. The future MVP was pretty solid, though. Kyle Kuzma had 25 in 31 minutes with four assists, two steals, and a block. And if all these guys remain out, he can be a stream option. Ben McLemore, cool. Nine points with three threes with two blocks for Mackey. I wouldn't get too interested there, but Caruso has some stream value. Seven assists and two steals, and KCP had six points, but it's just an ugly-looking box score. The big avocado, Andre Drummond, continues to suck. Nine points, six boards, 22 minutes, but he doesn't suck as bad as Montrez Harrell, who did, in the end, put together some good numbers. They all came in garbage time. He had 14, 6, and 4 in 20 minutes. But I think with about six minutes to go, he played six minutes or something like that. Or not quite that. But yeah, he, he really added the points to the towards the end of the game. Um, 
Harrell is not a 12-team league guy. He's not a 14-team league guy. Marcus Ole also wasn't very good in this one. They that I think they've just completely screwed up what they've done with the center. I didn't like them signing Harrell to begin with. I didn't like them bringing Drummond in and playing him ahead of these guys. I think they have absolutely screwed their center rotation up, and it's causing problems. Now, obviously, their best center is Anthony Davis, who's struggling and also injured. So I don't know what the solution is, is for them. But yeah, Vogel's made some curious coaching decisions this year. Wes Matthews started over Anthony Davis in the second half, but He's got no value. For the Clippers, just they took it easy. Pat Beverly, just the 17 minutes. He's not going to have enough value to be a fantasy guy as they ease him back in. While Reggie Jackson had 10 points. George had 24, 7, and 5, and Kawhi had 15, 8, and 6. Still no Serge Ibaka, no sign of when he's coming back. 14 and 8 for Zubats, though, in that time. 100% from the field and 80 from the line. Maintains some solid numbers if you need those big man stats. While Rondo had 5 assists, that's what he does. And Demarcus Cousins had 11 points in 16 minutes, providing that role. But Cousins, if Ibaka was to play, there's no guarantee Cousins even plays. Uh, there's really not much in terms of fantasy takeaways from this game at all, but has huge impact over the uh, overall NBA landscape with the Lakers losing and moving into that um, play-in type territory. Let's look at the uh, top ads and drops over the last 24 hours. Jalen McDaniels up 21%. A bit disappointing today, but I would hold. RJ Hampton, that's a strong ad. Dwight Powell's a solid ad. Daniel Tice up 10%. That obviously worked out really well today. I'm not convinced that's going to be the case as we move forward, but solid. While KJ Martin up 9%, that's a solid ad as well, even though we just don't have long-term certainty about the Rockets rotation. They're going to have no one tomorrow, so he's got a big chance there. In terms of drops, Joshy Jackson with his sore tooth, he's down 9%. Yep, no worries. Flynn's down 8%, clear drop. Billy Hernan Gomez down 7 I would be adding him back with Adams out. Kevin Porter down 6%. Yes, he's a drop. And Tyrese Halliburton, of course, down 6%. In terms of the top 10 players under 50% rostered, why is that graphic not updated? Let's update it right now. There we go. Hal Neto at number one, really solid performance, can be a 12-team league guy. Corey Joseph, not even convinced he plays any more games this year. Robin Lopez, Fluky game. Dwight Powell, yes, some value there. Ty Jerome, he's going to be up and down. Aaron Holiday, as long as uh, Malcolm Brogdon's out, at least 14-team league value. Malik Monk's a 12-team flyer. Michael Mulder uh, is a deeper league streamer. Uh, Wayne Ellington, again, don't know if he plays every game from here on out. And Billy Cauley-Stein, I don't know why I call him Bill then. Willie Cauley-Stein, um, yeah, nice game, but yeah, probably not a guy that we're relying upon too heavily. Let's now move to the games on Friday for DFS. FanDuel pricing. All right, there's 10 games in the NBA on Friday. We're going to be looking at FanDuel pricing at the end here. The first game is the Pelicans and the Sixers. We know that Nikhil Alexander-Walker is uh, questionable, actually upgraded. So maybe he's back in the rotation. Watch that one, which is going to be handy considering Brandon Ingram is out and Steven Adams is doubtful. So watch for Najee Marshall, James Johnson to get a bit of a boost in their playing time. Um, obviously, Bill Hernan Gomez is going to be starting there at center. So value jumping up there for those players. The Sixers, no injuries to report at all. Sixers are eight and a half point favorites here. The total is 228 and a half, by the way. Celtics and Bulls, Jalen Brown is out. Robert Williams is questionable, while Tristan Thompson and Romeo Langford are both probable. So Ivan Fournier, he gets a boost. And of course, if Williams is out, Thompson gets a boost. For the Bulls, it's a back-to-back for them. Levine and Vucevic both came back on Thursday, so they should be fine to go. Just watch Levine's minutes, I would imagine. Minnesota and Miami, Jaden McDaniels is out for Minnesota, so Vanderbilt, Reed, and Hernan Gomez are going to get a boost there. While for Miami, Oladipo remains sidelined, but Butler and Hero are both questionable in this one. Houston and Milwaukee, well, we know that Avery Bradley and Kevin Porter are out for Houston. Daniel House is doubtful. And then you've got Christian Wood, Jay Sean Tate, DJ Augustin, and Callie Olenek all questionable. Now, some are worried that this game might be postponed. I don't think that'll happen, but 
in terms of the rotation, who knows? You could have value. I think KJ Martin's going to have a lot of value, but guys like Brooks and Lamb, Jeffries, these guys are going to have to step up into pretty large roles given the amount of players who could be out of this contest. Um, if Wooden or Lineker are out, I don't know who they'll play center. It's probably going to have to be Martin. Maybe it's Tate. Maybe it's Lamb. I, I don't know what they're going to do in that scenario. And then the Bucks, PJ Tucker and Chris Middleton. Middleton's off the injury report after missing last game. I just can't see the Bucks having to go full speed here. Now, I guess the incentive they have is they have to make sure they win to really lock themselves into that two seed with Brooklyn losing again, but they're going to win this one pretty comfortably. So you expect you know, 22, 23 minutes maybe for Giannis and Drew and Middleton and those sort of players. Orlando and Charlotte are back-to-back -back for the Hornets, who are favored by nine. The total's 216. There is no K uh, no Cody Martin, sorry, no Miles Bridges, no Gordon Haywood. Devontae Graham, we don't know whether he'll return. But for Orlando, more important things, no Akiki, Carter-Williams, Bross, Porter, and Wendell Carter. So Mo Bamba's going to start again. Mo Wagner's probably going to start. You're going to get Brasdakis playing minutes. You're going to get RJ Hampton with a bigger role as well there in Orlando. Cleveland and Dallas are back-to-back -back for Dallas. Porzingis won't play. Um, Kleber won't play in this game either. For Cleveland, Garland is out, so you've got more value there for Osman and Sexton playing at point guard. Denver at Utah, no Doja, no Barton, no Morris. So Austin Rivers, Shaq Harrison, Paul Millsap, Jermichael Green, all those guys get a boost in their minutes. While the Jazz are without Conley and Mitchell again, so Ingles, Clarkson, Yang, Forrest, only those guys have to step up. The Knicks and the Suns know quickly, or he's doubtful, as is Alec Burke. So Alfred Payton, Derek Rose, they're going to have to see more minutes. While for the Suns, Jay Crowder remains sidelined again. Cameron Johnson's also questionable, so you're going to get more minutes for Carter, Frank Kaminsky, and Cameron Johnson if he does play. The Suns are six-point favorites here. The total's 218. The Spurs and the Kings know Derek White, of course, for San Antonio. No Halliburton or no Fox. For the Kings, we don't know about the pencil Harrison Barnes. Barnesy? Um, so that's going to have an impact on Harkless and, and Bagley's playing time there for sure. While the Lakers and the Blazers, it is a back-to-back -back for the Lakers. They'll have no Schroeder, no LeBron, and no Horton Tucker. Um, while the Blazers just have Norman Powell listed on the injury report as probable with that knee issue that has been bothering him and caused him to miss the last game. In terms of values here, so much is going to come to, down to what happens in that Houston game. But look at Lamb, Brooks, Jeffries, Martin. Some real value opening up there. I like Vanderbilt, Rogier. Um, Shaq Harrison, um, I talked about Brooks and Jeffries already, Naz Reed, Najee Marshall, uh, Mo Bamba, Alfred Payton, Lamelo Ball, James Johnson, uh, PJ Washington Jr., Bam Adebayo, Mo Wagner, Boyan Bogdanovich, Bismack Biombo, um, Alex Caruso, and DeLon Wright. Guys, that'll do it for me. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Aussie. While on YouTube, give it a thumbs up, leave your comments down below. Hit the notification bell as well, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.